Our guest today is a super talented drag king, part of the prolific Brooklyn collective Switch and Play. He was BNA's Drag King of the Year in 2017 and has only continued to grow more and more as a performer. I'm happy to have with me today the wonderful Vigor Mortis. How do you do? Hi. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the very beginning. So way back. Way back. <laughs> well, depends. We'll see how way back it was. Right. <laughs> so what was your first exposure to drag as an art form? My very first exposure to drag ever was Shakespeare. Hmm. Like way, way, way back um, in I, I did a lot of Shakespeare growing up and then uh, wound up teaching at a Shakespeare camp in, in you know, for a while as a, as a counselor. I was a student there and then became a counselor. Um, and that was the first time that anyone ever put me in drag. Huh. Where uh, I was playing around with, we were we were going to change a character to Donna Pedra or something like that, and and the guy was like, you know, why don't we just you just do it as Don Pedro and we'll put you in drag, and I was like, hell yeah, that sounds great. Um, very Shakespearean thing to do. Very as well. Shakespearean, yeah, totally. Um, and and so that was the first time that I had ever like put a beard on and walked around on stage, and it was I was wonderful. I loved being able to like change my physicality at that time to be something so butch because the character is just like super butch and I played it like the most butch I could possibly um muster and uh it was really fun and uh and and so that was like my very first exposure to it and then um I I the next time was a couple years later um uh, I saw all the king's men perform mm -hmm. which is a drag troupe that I don't think is still active um but their members still do drag uh independently um and and i saw them at a queer conference uh for youth and uh it blew my mind it blew my mind it was so good like, and they were a whole group of drag kings and um and they would move between doing femme drag and and drag king stuff and it was oh it was, oh, it was wonderful it was so cool and it messed with everyone's minds and uh and all the little teens had no idea like <laughs> what was going on on stage and who they were attracted to and stuff like that because we were, you know, I was like 15 or 16 at the time. So everyone, everyone was just 14, probably. Yeah. Younger than that, 14. Everyone was so excited to be like, you know, like that's what we were all in the, in a huge group of fellow queers for like probably the first time in a very long time where basically the only thing we were doing is getting people's numbers. Hmm. So, <laughs> so were their chat. Yeah. names and stuff so then so that was the big thing to do would be like oh yeah like which one of these presenters do you think is hot and then there were these <laughs> drag kings that got on stage and everyone was like we don't know what to feel and i was like that i want more of that in my life <laughs> so so you describe your relationship as kind of like a love at first sight yes very much i i fell in love with it immediately it wound up meaning a lot more to me later on because it became the vehicle through which i came out as being transgender mm -hmm. and that was um not until I was a fully fledged adult post college in the world that, you know, performing in Brooklyn for the first time actually with Switch and Play at one of their open drag nights. Mm. After that, about two weeks, like two weeks later, I came out as being trans after that. Um, but it gave me, it, it kept showing up at these random moments in my life to mm -hmm. kind of remind me that this was something that could be, that masculinity was something that I could flirt with. Um, and if it was something that I wanted to do more than flirt with, I could. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being able to put that on and walk around as a different persona was very healing for me. It helped me kind of see how I wanted to be perceived in the world. Um, and yeah, so drag was definitely love at first sight and then became 
necessary for me in a lot of ways to like edit who I am as a person, um, which is really, it's been really valuable as well as being really, really fun. What made you finally take the plunge and do it yourself? Uh, Goldie Peacock, (laughs) (laughs) who is my drag dad. Um, Goldie is a non-binary performance artist who has been in working in the city for years and years. Um, you can catch them uh, go-going at Henrietta Hudson a lot recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's something that anyone is able to do. Um, but they were teaching a drag king workshop in a, par- in a, in a, in a three-part series. And um, I found it on Facebook, and I was like, I wonder if this is something that is still going on. And I messaged them, and they were like, absolutely, there's you know, come through and see what we got going on. And um, it started out with just like, doing kind of the look and then talking about the history of drag kings and the people that we need to look at that have preceded us. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and then like, you know, creating your own character and your backstory and then moving through the space with choreo, but like each as our own person, it was really, it was really, really valuable. Um, and I was just super nervous cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is going to be a mess. I have no, I've never done this before. You know, I've been in, I've put drag on my body before, but I've never like done a drag show. This is insanity. I'm not doing that. And Goldie just kept being like, go out and find something. Just go do it. Just go do it. And it was very kind of a kismet kind of situation where at the last minute, someone at a switch and play open drag night called Moxie, which we still do sometimes, mm-hmm. um, dropped out and they had an extra space and they messaged me and asked, you know, can you, can you put something together in like 10 hours? So I was like, I guess, like, yeah. <laughs> but I threw something together and it was horrible. And, uh, you know, and I, uh, Miss Malice from Switch and Play will always say that it was not horrible, but like I, I, it may, it makes me very uncomfortable to think about just because it was so like, oh, so broy, but I, <laughs> but um, but I I did it. And once you once you get, it's kind of like getting a tattoo. You get the first one. You're like, oh man, I kind of need another one. What's the story behind the name Bigger Mortis? <laughs> well, it was going to be Cash Casanova. Ooh, and... I love that. That's such like a gay porn star <laughs> vibe. So is, and uh, actually, I went to um, I went to college with Bitch Puddin. <laughs> of uh of uh dragula fame um and also just she's amazing um and we have been talking back and forth a little bit and i was like man i'm kind of like i'm kind of tossing up between like cash casanova and then i was going to go with r igor mortis for mm-hmm. like rigor mortis and um and she was like do not do cash casanova <laughs> <laughs> like it is just don't just don't do not do cash casanova and i was like all right fine um so then I so then I started out being like, well, I'll be R. Igor. But then but then I was like the idea of having to tell people to say like a hearing on the mic, R. Igor Mortis was like, oh, God, that's so tedious. So so then vigor more. I was like, what else rhymes with rigor? Vigor. And so being vigorously deceased, I think, is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very Beetlejuicy. Yes. You know, to be, you know, pretty pretty spry for a dead guy. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that's that's kind of the notion. So then you mentioned that your kind of start with Switch and Play was them yeah. reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. How did you end up becoming a more permanent member? Well, I haunted them a lot. So I would go to their shows a ton. Um, and, uh, as just an audience member, they used to do these lip sync battles. Um, and every time that I was, that I would volunteer myself like quite a bit and stuff like that. Um, 
and uh, and eventually, actually, they asked me, and I was I don't know why I decided to play coy in this moment, but I they asked me they're like, would you like to you know be a part of I did I did some like group numbers with them before I was in because there had been some people that couldn't make it and things like that and they mm-hmm. used to do like big boy band numbers and stuff and we're trying to get back into that again but um like I I danced all through my childhood so um I was you know I I could pick I can pick up choreo really fast so I was able to like sub in and things like that and they're like you know we just we really like your vibe and we have a really good time with you and we're becoming friends like do you want to be part of this and for some reason I was like not yet I'm not sure. <laughs> and I was like, you need to court me a little. Just like you need to court me a little bit. And uh, and uh, they, they were like, all right, weirdo, sure. Like, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Um, but then eventually, of course, I wound up saying yes. Um, and uh, Nick's Nocturne and I joined at the same time, huh. who's another one of my castmates and, and very, very good friends. So, yeah, we, we both were, were kind of brought in at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. So... We haven't spoken to many drag kings on our show so far, though mm-hmm. that is changing. Fantastic. But uh, listeners may be a little in the dark about the culture, since typically speaking, drag queen culture seems to be the more mm. mainstream thing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that being said, would you say that there's an, well, there's an overlap between drag queen and drag king culture, and then... Where do they split, and is there not a split, or is mm-hmm. there not an overlap? Totally. It splits at misogyny. You know, that's honestly where the split happens, is that if someone says, well, you can't do drag because of whatever that is, mm-hmm. that's where the split happens. And that's where you start to see certain um, performers will will kind of be in one camp and have a lot to say about those things and will never book drag kings and things like that. And they're missing out because, you know, I think, I think the thing that's... Um, that's tough about being a drag person who performs masculinity is that masculinity is inherently hurtful in a lot of ways that we know it um, and that we see it performed by people in a day-to-day way. It is not inherently hurtful if you break it down because it's just like it's a power construct, mm-hmm. right? So the power that we put with masculinity is the part that hurts us. You have to be very conscious of the type of masculinity that you're exposing your audience to and how and and what it makes them feel like. And there's so many people that are so interested in seeing what drag kings are capable of because I think that it's been pointed out so many times and sh- and proven over and over again that we can hold our own in these competitions and and groups and um and and shows and things like that that you know it's it's kind of hard to ignore at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of my favorite stories um about Kay James, who is the longest running member of Switch and Play. Uh, he's been Switch and Play for 12 years now, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very long time um, as a member of a collective and to be a drag king. Um, but he uh, was competing in Mary Cherry's Dragnet years ago. And not only did he win, but he beat Aja in a lip sync off huh. for, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it was to like Madonna 
like old school Madonna and he knew it and she didn't. And, you know, it wasn't just against her. It was the other queens didn't yeah. know it either. But he just like, like just slid like very in a very sexy way, just slid to the front, and just, you know, nailed every single word. And it was magical. It was a magical moment. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those great moments where I think a lot of people not only was he the first drag king to compete in that competition, but he won it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in that space, even in that bar, were just like, whoa, yeah, maybe this is somebody we need to look out for. Kind of on the same topic. Um, you've mentioned previously that sometimes when you perform, you're not necessarily going on stage and like thinking that, oh, I'm a drag king in this moment. Mm-hmm. But so there's some people that tend to find the terms drag king and queen problematic like mm-hmm. associating associating masculinity with a king and femininity right. with a queen mm-hmm. while others take the label with pride like k james has like wholeheartedly embraced like drag king i think yeah. or at least from what i've seen in yeah interviews. yeah yeah for sure especially as a trans man that's really important to him mm. So how do you feel about the labels of drag queen and king overall? It's really fascinating because um, I I think that the drag king was coined as a reaction to drag queen being a thing. Mm -hmm. So if you looked at it, people are like, well, what would the counterpart to this be? Well, it would be a drag. If somebody said like like a screaming queen was a derogatory Mm -hmm. term, right? Like to say that to to a queer person was was derogatory at one point. Yeah. um, And still can be today, obviously. Um, But then that was something that was taken and brought into, you know, and be like, okay, well, we're going to take this and repurpose it and and say, well, we're we're drag queens. So we do this professionally. And then that was kind of a reactionary thing to, to, you know, um, uh, to be like, okay, what what would be the counterpart? Right. So that would be a kink. I think that it's you use whatever language works for you. If king makes you feel powerful, even if you're non-binary, even if you like, it's kind of like people referring to themselves who are femme, referring them to themselves as daddy. Mm-hmm. Do it. If that makes you feel powerful and wonderful, do that. And if you are a femme king and that's who you, that's how you identify, um, then go for it. Live your dreams. Or if you're a butch queen and you want to like really, you know, embrace that and feel really good about that or a masculine queen and that's how you want to do things, do it. I think many trans artists tend to be asked questions that start with some variation of as a trans person (laughs) X or as a trans person Uh Y. Do you ever find that people focus on this aspect to the point where it becomes distracting for you or do you find it crucial to discussing your work and your art as a whole? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. It depends. It really depends because I mean, my tagline is trans boy drag king. I put it first. Mm -hmm. I put it before being a drag king. And part of that is because what I do or what I see myself doing is different types of gender performance. So I I like to play with different types of masculinity and, um, and kind of put on different characters that I, you know, see in TV or movies or in my everyday life and kind of like, like what would the, what would, what would Fidei do drag be? Like Mm -hmm. what would, you know, like what would like, like cranky dad at four in the morning drag be, you know what I mean? Like, and I try to like try those things out and put them into characters and and all of that as a way of playing, you know, and, and, and that helps inform my identity off stage as well, because there's certain things that sometimes I'll discover on stage. I'll be like, this is, this is, this is for me now. Um, 
And some of my work is directly related to it. You know, I do, uh, there's a number that I do that is directly about my trans identity, which is, a, it's, I call it my boy number, which is where I'm wearing a dress and I have a full face of makeup on. That's the way that I wore it when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and about exposing the fact that I am a boy and how that makes me feel and things like that. And that is not vigor. That's very, that's very much vigor acting as a vehicle for me to tell yeah. a story that's important to me. Me being trans is a part of my life all the time, every day from mm-hmm. the second I wake up and even when I'm asleep. Yeah. Um, but it is certainly not the only thing about me, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that a lot of people, anybody that has any type of identity in that way can feel that way. You know, where it's like, I, I also sometimes just want to be a person yeah, and want to put this aside, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but when you're on stage, you are kind of even just like putting your body on stage as a trans body. Um, especially if I'm taking my shirt off, exposes the fact that I'm trans in a very real way, mm-hmm. especially post top surgery. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I don't want to play into it, but people that are watching me will take something away from it involving that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. It's kind of, you know, once, once you put art out there, it's not really yours anymore. It's, it is yours, but it's also like people's reactions are their own and they get, they have the right to have that. As I mentioned in the intro, you were BNA's drag king of the year in 2017. Sure was. Edition. <laughs> you've worked for Sasha Valor. Mm-hmm. You've performed as part of her nightgown series. Mm-hmm. You perform as part of Switch and Play, mm-hmm. which has garnered a whole lot of uh, acclaim. You have fans. You have a documentary. Me too. So these are a lot of noteworthy accomplishments that I think would suggest a successful career so far. However, for you... How do you determine success for yourself? As long as I'm still having fun. That's the biggest thing. Drag for me has always been super informative, but more than anything, really fun. And as soon as it stops being fun, then I'm not I'm not being successful at it. So I feel like I'm very much in the height of it now, you know, like because things that terrify me are also fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like performing at uh, Terminal 5 with Sasha was definitely terrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) janet jackson was in the front row um it was awesome and they didn't tell us until about two minutes before we went on stage and k james they were like you have got to be kidding me are you (laughs) the queen is here how dare you you know we were so bad we're so so mad but um also thrilled of course um and i saw her crack a teeny tiny smile and i was just like I can die happy now. <laughs> Everything's done. Everything in my life I've ever wanted to do. Um, and, and I got to perform with Lipsinka, who is an absolute legend. Yep. And, you know, and 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 Sasha herself and Sasha Colby and Vander Von Odd and Untitled mm-hmm. Queen and Miss Mal. Like, everyone in that show was a Neon Calypso. Oh, my God. Um, everyone in that show was absolutely fantastic. But it was, it was very scary. But it was also just super exciting. Mm-hmm. It was super exciting and, and it was so much fun. I mentioned before that you worked for a while as an assistant to Sasha Velour. I did. Is there anything that you took from that time that you applied to either your drag or your work ethic today? And if so, what? Mm, oh, my gosh. Time management means everything. <laughs> <laughs> time management means everything. That was such a wonderful, intense learning opportunity. In order to do what she does, she has to be a perfectionist. Yep. And that is not easy all the time. Most definitely not for her. Um, so another thing I think is is to like keeping a sympathetic eye 
towards the people who you're working with mm-hmm. is a huge part of it too. Um, because whatever you're going through, they're probably going through something very similar, if not more. Um, especially if they're your boss, <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't really know about. Um, but like give yourself enough time, give yourself more time than you think you need <laughs> and, and, and try to plot and plan as much as you can ahead of time. From your point of view as a drag king, are there any changes that you've noticed to your sliver of the drag scene that you've noticed over time? And if so, what are they? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's just, it keeps getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) People are taking bigger and bigger risks. I think that the, uh, the notions of like what makes a proper drag performer have fallen by the wayside more and more. And I think that that's wonderful because I would so much rather see someone who, um, is, is in jeans and a t-shirt and a, and a Sharpie drawn mustache, just giving me the whole the whole fantasy, the full story and selling every single inch of their soul than um, someone who's paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars for someone else to make an outfit. And what they do is stand on stage and don't remember the words, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and like, there's so, there's so many beautiful things about look like getting looks together and spending a ton of time and effort and money doing those types of things, but they're not always accessible to everyone. So I don't think that that is the only valid form of drag. Um, and I think that the scene has definitely embraced that a lot where there's, you'll see a lot of people that are not like drag queens that are not padding anymore, you know, and they're not, and they're not wearing, um, they're not trying to do breast illusions or anything like that. They're just, you know, doing their own body and, and all of that, or, or drag Kings that are wearing skirts and doing very femme, Mm -hmm. um, presenting drag and, and things like that and wearing a lot of lipstick and eyeliner and eyelashes and things like that. And there's no, there are no rules. And I'm really seeing that being fully embodied by my community right now is people really saying, I don't care on stage or off stage, just give me, give me shows, give me a fierce lip sync, know all the words and like, and like, just give me energy. And, and the audience loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. And that's amazing. That's amazing to be part of. If you weren't doing drag, what do you think you'd be doing? <laughs> Spinning in a circle. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Probably, uh, probably still backstage managing for, <laughs> for theater. Um, I, 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 it's such a cathartic thing. That I don't, I don't really know. I'd probably be looking for something that was exactly like I was like, how how can I get rid of all this anxious energy to end things? Sure. So for those that are new or getting into appreciating the work of drag drag kings, is there anything you'd feel like people should know about the art that they might not be aware of? And similarly, do you have any essential readings or viewings? <laughs> Uh, related to the world of drag kings you can plug your documentary if you like (laughs) fair fair enough fair enough um let me see well i think the first thing to know is that there is no rule book 
So don't walk into a space trying to find ways to compare kings to other kings. Mm-hmm. And, and while we're at it, don't do that about drag queens yeah. either. You know, one of the biggest, uh, I've worked with a lot of the RuPaul's Drag Race queens. And one of the biggest annoyances from fans, the largest issues, is the fact that they'll say, oh, this look looks exactly like Katya. Or this, your face looks exactly like Sasha Velour. Oh, and it's like, just, just, just knock it off. Literally knock it off. They, they, you know, and and it always winds up being a little bit racist too. Yeah, like it really does. Um, like that, you know, it's always like the 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 queens of color are getting compared to each other, and it's just 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 don't don't do that. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. And also, like, it's not even true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really not even true. And it doesn't make you seem cool or interesting or anything. It just like I know that 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 performers are rolling their eyes when you say things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you want to be cool, don't do that. Um, also when you're at shows, don't touch performers' faces literally ever or their hair ever. Don't how often do does, that. How often do you do that? All the time. People will kiss you right on the cheek. Ooh. Right. I've seen I've seen people I saw I saw one fan run up to Shea Coulee and try to kiss her on the mouth. And it's like, what in what universe is that ever okay in any capacity? Um, it, yeah, if you're going to go for the hug, make sure that the performer is opening their arms first. So this way that they're telling you that you can hug them. And when you do, don't go up over their shoulders, go under their arms around the waist. Uh, so you don't pull their wig off. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> if you do those things, you will be a drag queen's best friend. I will tell you that right now, or a drag king for that matter. Um, and if people don't like to be touched, don't touch them. So consent is super important and super, super important, um, at all times always, but especially in drag spaces. Um, so walk in with an open mind. Drag kings are doing something that you may not totally understand. That's okay. You know, uh, go see more shows, go check out other types of kings and see what other people are doing. Um, and you'll start to get it. You'll start to understand like what types of things you like, what types of things you don't like. Again, art is subjective. And so if you, uh, don't like something that one king is doing, you'll find another king that you're like, absolutely. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And if you want to get into it, just do it. Just play. There's no, again, there are no rules. Not, there's no way you can do it right or do it wrong. There's no rule book. And all the people that are doing stuff that, or all the people that get famous or get huge in any way are the people that are doing something that is against what everybody else told them they should do. Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Jin, who is a drag king from Florida um, and one of my, my good buds, um, his face is iconic. It is iconic and very, very often copied and paid tribute to. Um, but basically no, like, you know, he just did it and he was like, I'm going to do whatever it is that I like aesthetically. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are like, yes, yes, I want this. So, you know, chances of what take a risk. And the worst that can happen is you'll be famous on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what was the other half of that question? Uh, essential reading or viewing. Oh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, our documentary is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is currently doing the. Um, it's called the Night at Switch and Play, and it's do it's doing the uh, the the festival circuit. Yes. So um, uh, it isn't available yet, but it will be soon, which is really exciting. Um, Venus Boys is a really good. That's a documentary from a long time ago about like early drag kings and things like that. Um, Transgender Warriors, Leslie Feinberg is a really is a really good book uh, anything Leslie Feinberg is a really good idea um Stone Butch Blues is something I read on a regular basis it's not specifically about drag kings but it's very much about like masculinity and dealing with being gender queer and things like that it's really important um 
obviously gender Kate Bornstein always always a good person to um to listen to oh yeah like Diane Tor you know there's a lot of, like like there are a lot of famous drag kings um Murray Hill Murray yes. Hill has been in the biz in the showbiz as he would say um for over 20 years um and uh he's he's amazing yep. he was in Beth Ditto's music video in the in like the like what like the like the early 2000s or something I can't remember what the song is I'll I'll have to I'll I'll give it to you but um he was he plays a drag king in her, like her first band's hmm. music video it's amazing <laughs> Murray's got street cred he does he does he's he and he'll say showbiz more than anyone you'll ever meet in your entire life and you you think that he's making he or he's doing that for a bit now he'll do that all the time <laughs> it's kind of amazing <laughs> he he from from all accounts he truly lives his aesthetic he does he does he is like that 24 hours a day showbiz <laughs> I, you gotta love him you do <laughs> and with that thank you so much for your time uh if the people want to find you see you follow you where can they do such things? Totally. Uh, it's Hey Vigor Mortis on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and Switch and Play, which is switch the letter N and then play, uh, is uh, on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, the Switch and Play doc has its own Instagram now. It's called Switch and Play doc. We're on every, so every second and fourth Saturday of the month at Brandon. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.